Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Hello and welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Every single week, I get reviews from my incredible listeners out there about how much they love the show and what they're learning. I'm very humbled and I want to just thank each and every one of you for the great reviews and the five-star ratings. I read them all. So thank you. Thank you. There's one I want to read. In fact, I might just randomly grab one here and there and read them on each episode. But this review, I just wanted to read because I just thought it was great. I don't have the person's alias. I'm not sure that would really mean all that much if you don't know who the person is, but I thank this person for this particular review. He says, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months now, and I have learned more in that time than I have listening and reading for the past six months. It's the total package of info that enhances my motivation and appetite for more exposure to your knowledge. Thanks for all you do, exclamation mark. That is a great review because it motivates me. It's touching and it inspires me to do more for you. So I'm glad you're learning. I'm glad this has been useful for you. Thank you so much. And I will try to keep putting out some good content. So a segue from there is a quote from someone I want to read. His name is William A. Ward. He says, and I quote, before you speak, listen, before you write, think, before you spend, earn, before you invest, investigate. Before you criticize, wait. Before you pray, forgive. Before you quit, try. Before you retire, save. And before you die, give. There's a reason why the majority of people in this world are poor. It is because they are not taught to be rich. They don't know the principles that the rich already know and implement in their lives. And if you knew the principles of the rich, you could change your life and be rich as well. I mean, it's just that simple. You just copy what already works. My guest today and I want you to be rich and wealthy. The principles of the rich apply to everybody. They apply today. They apply tomorrow and far into the future. Principles are principles. They're timeless. They just don't change. So no matter when you learn these principles, they will help you to become wealthy. So join me and my guest today as we talk about the eight principles to be rich, wealthy, and live the dream of your life. It's my pleasure to welcome Dustin Heiner to the show. Dustin is a real estate investor who went from working the grind to living the dream. He's a husband and a father of four children who supports them with the passive income from his business and his rental properties. Dustin recently, but in conversation with him, I've come to find out that we are aligned in so many different ways. When it comes to real estate and personal development and building a solid financial future to create the time freedom that we always want. So I invited him on the show because I thought there was a lot that you could learn from Dustin. And I know he has a lot to say because I've just checked out a lot of his material, which is great. And I'll let him talk about that towards the end. So Dustin, welcome to the show. Hey, hey Marco. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. I forgot how I kind of came across you. I think it was my assistant reached out to you and asked if you'd be interested in having me on your show. But then as I got to learn more about you, I thought, oh, this is an interesting guy. He's actually walked the talk. He's actually created financial freedom for himself. He's created passive income. He's done it primarily through income producing real estate, which is fantastic. And then as I got to know you a little bit in the recent past, I thought, oh, he would be a great guest. So 
Let's start off by you telling our audience about yourself and how you got involved in real estate investing. Yeah, my name is Dustin Heiner. So when I first started investing, I was, I want to say 25 years old. And like everybody um, or most people, when they start thinking about investing and getting passive income, um, you start to think, man, I'm tired of working a job, you know, a J-O-B, the just overbroke job. I hated that. And also hated um, having my time taken up and have somebody else tell me what to do. I've always been entrepreneurial. So real estate is not the only business I've ever started. Like I've had a skateboard, man, skateboard manufacturing business. I had a website design, I had a software company. I also um, owned a retail establishment and, you know, build it up from scratch and sold it. And all the different businesses that I started, I even had a paper out when I was like 13 years old. So I was always entrepreneurial and kept trying to figure out a way so that I didn't have to work a job, but I could be independent and work on my own. And it turns out the easiest one was actually the best one. And it was real estate rental properties. So I buy properties, um, takes me maybe three to four hours to buy a pro- one property. And then I release my property managers, my um, uh, contractors, plumbers, inspectors, release ev- all, everybody on my team to do the work to make sure the property is is rentable and gets rented. And then I make money every single month. So when I was 27 years old, I realized, man, I I need to do something. And so I told myself in 10 years, okay, self in 10 years, you're going to quit your job, no matter what, like you're going to work your tail off to be able to quit your job. And if you don't have it, you're still going to quit. So I had that goal in my mind and it took me six years of investing in real estate I was able to sell um, a couple other businesses. I was able to move um, uh, move into real estate because that was where I was making my money. And within six years, I was able to replace the income from my job with the income from my rental properties. And then it took me about another two and a half years before I actually had the guts to actually quit because, you know, leaving that W-2 job, it's, it's rather hard to do. But as soon as I realized, man, I'm just wasting my life here. I'm wasting time. I'm actually losing money. Even though I was making $75,000, I'm losing money working here when I could be working for myself and making even more money. And so to now, I, that's, that's what I do. I, I invest in single family properties. I love, love doing that. And I love talking about it. Hopefully it comes across like that. I just really enjoy it. Well, I can definitely hear the passion and your love for the subject and the fact that you've been able to actually achieve that. The reality is, is that you and I both know that whether you're rich or poor, the people who become wealthy follow certain principles. A lot of times they stand on the shoulders of giants because that's how they basically see into the future and realize, okay, these are the things I need to do in order to become successful. And so we tend to model people who are successful. And a lot of times the things that we do and we learn from other people can be broken down into principles. And that's what I want to talk about today or what you've kind of listed out as principles for being rich, wealthy, and living the lifestyle that you want. And so Clearly, rich people or wealthy people, and I'm not talking about necessarily uber wealthy or uber rich people, but people who are financially set tend to teach these to their kids, these principles. And so let's talk about that today, maybe not at at a thousand foot level because that gets really granular. Literally, we can take all these principles and make episodes, entire episodes out of each and every one. But let's just talk about all these principles that you've defined and kind of break it down for our audience so they can kind of digest these concepts and then take it beyond that however they want. And then I'm going to debate you a little bit on a couple of these, maybe not disagree, but just kind of push back a little bit because maybe I'm not clear on what you're talking about, but I just want to make sure that you and I are kind of hammering these things out. So let's start with the first one. This is something that people hear time and time again. That's basically pay yourself first. How often have we heard the concept, pay yourself first? So Let's start off by you telling us what does that mean 
And how do you do that? Because for a lot of people, they're thinking, oh my God, how in the heck do I do that? So the first part for me was learning, number one, I needed to pay myself first, but number two, what it actually meant. So I always thought, well, I get a paycheck. So that paycheck, that's mine, right? So I'm paying myself first. Well, in fact, no, when you get your paycheck, there's already money going out like to your mortgage or your rent or the car payment or your utility bills, your internet, your cell phone, like all that money is already spent. It's already going somewhere else. You just are getting it in and then it's going out. So you're basically living paycheck to paycheck. Now, when you're paying yourself first, you're saying, I'm going to pay myself. And here's my opinion, work your way up to 10%. Even if it's just 1% of your income, 2%, 5%, work your way up to where you're making, saving 10%. And that's saving, putting it in your pocket or in a savings account where you are a savings account or something that you're able to make money. Grow that enough so you're paying yourself first. So you have investment money, not just stock away, which it's always an emergency fund. I absolutely would say to do that. But on top of the emergency fund, paying yourself first so then you can then go out and buy investments. I have a lot of people ask me, well, how do I invest with low and no money down? Like, I don't have any money. And I tell them, it's really hard work to invest with no money. Like, you have to put your effort in to do that. And the, another way is to where now, like starting, and this is what I'm teaching, Marco, you're absolutely right. I'm teaching my kids now. I have four kids. I'm literally teaching them how to save their money. So whenever they make any money or birthday presents or whatever, I have them save 50% into savings, like literally half of it goes into savings. Another 20% goes to mommy to pay for it because they need to know that we have bills and expenses. That goes to mommy to help them know that there's responsibility. And then 10% goes to God. And then another 20%, they get to do whatever they want. And so I'm teaching them this principle of paying yourself first. So now here's what was a huge blessing. So my kids all know that I invest in real estate rental properties. And my daughter, she's 10 now. And she's been saying, you know, I want to save more money and save more money. Eventually I could buy this or I could buy that toy or whatever. And I say, well, this is eventually your savings is going to go to buy something big like a car. And it was about my daughter said, you know what, daddy, I don't want to buy a car with this money. I want to buy a house that that house can make me money. And I could buy a car with that house money. I'm like, that's at a girl. <laughs> You're absolutely right on. So paying yourself first. So you have money saved up to then buy investments that then they make you money every single month. That's brilliant. Sounds like you have some really smart kids. Take after your mom. <laughs> <laughs> How old's your daughter that said that? 10. Brilliant. Actually, I was talking to Robert Kiyosaki just the other day, and I've heard him say this multiple times. He likes his fast cars. He's got Ferraris and other types of fast vehicles. But he basically says, look, I can afford to buy the car, but I don't buy the car just because I can afford it or because I like it. He says, if I'm going to buy a car and it's got a $1,500 monthly payment, I'm going to go out and buy assets that generate passive income and take that passive income to be able to afford that car. So he's focused not on the vehicle that depreciates, but on the asset that can appreciate and create passive income, take the passive income, buy the things you want, whether it's a vacation or a car or whatever it may be. And that's what you just reminded me of with your daughter. I mean, that's a brilliant thing is buy the asset first and then have that pay for your essentially what he calls doodads. Absolutely. Well, it's that time of year again, tax season. And if you're like me, you're busy pulling together all of the documentation for your properties. So many receipts, organizing your income and expenses and creating reports. With the tax reform this past year, there are lots of changes that directly impact investors like us. Are you maximizing your deductions? Are you using the right strategies? Our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you keep more of your hard-earned dollars in your pocket. I love this guide because it's full of actionable strategies you can use on your return, and it helps you to optimize your strategy for 2019. 
It's hands down the best advice I've seen on rental property taxes. Get your copy of the guide when you sign up for a free Stessa account. Stessa is an essential and really cool tool that every rental property owner needs. It helps you track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate investments. To get your copy of the Rental Property Tax Guide, head over to stessa.com forward slash P-R-E-I taxes and sign up for a free Stessa account to track your rentals. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash P-R-E-I taxes. So your second principle is increasing your income. Now, I'm a big fan of this because a lot of people think that they can become financially set by reducing their expenses, which I know is another principle of yours. And we'll talk about that. But I have said for a long time that you can't save yourself to wealth or financial freedom. You can't cut your expenses and save yourself to wealth. I believe that it all falls on increasing your income. And I'm a big advocate of businesses and creating income from other types of assets. So talk about increasing your income and how do you do that and why that's important. So along with paying yourself first, it's all about having money that you can then buy investments, not doodads like Robert Kiyosaki says, like you just mentioned on my Marco. So you would, instead of using that money to buy a car, use that money to buy a house and that house pays for the car. And so it's so much easier to buy a property when you have money saved up. And it's so much easier to buy it faster when you are making more money. So if you're thinking about ways to increase your income, there's so many ways. And it's the beauty of technology is getting so much better. So I literally will never work a job again. And even if all my properties literally blew up and I had no income coming in, I would not get a job. I would do so many other things like driving for Uber or getting a job at McDonald's. I would do something that would not get me locked down to a career, but I would just get some money and so I can start investing in more. And then I would work a couple extra jobs. But even just driving for Uber is one. If you want to be a freelancer where you're actually going on like Fiverr.com or Freelancer.com and you're making money there, you want to be able to increase the amount of money that you can put in your pocket so then you can then invest that money. Because I have a lot of students who ask me, well, how do I get my next property faster? I say, well, you need more money coming in, but you can also use leverage. You can also cut your expenses. There's many different options, but increasing your income is one of the best ones because the more money you have, the more money you can spend on buying another property or the next property. Yeah, and I totally agree. And it doesn't need to be a brick and mortar store or anything of that scale where it takes hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a business or even buy a franchise. We're not in the industrial age anymore. We're in the information age. And it is incredibly easy to start a business today with the internet. I mean, there's so many people who've created their own Amazon stores and are doing incredibly well. And it's completely a part-time business. In fact, a lot of times they don't even have product. They have the product drop shipped and all they are is just the sales conduit between the product being drop shipped and the sales that they're generating. So it's almost like you can't have an excuse today not to have some sort of other business. And even if you are not incredibly successful in generating an income, the fact is, is you can create some tax benefits for yourself from the write-offs, which can help lower your taxable income and increase the money you have at the end of the day to save to put towards these investments. So I really think everybody should have a business or multiple businesses on the side. So and it's, it's super easy to do, even if you have a job, um, investing in real estate with a job. I had a job for, um, for my whole life. I've always had a job and also started businesses at the same time. Um, 
investing in real estate, you can do that part-time. But then, like you said, with Amazon, I have a friend of mine who were in a mastermind group together and he drop ships from Amazon. He basically has it from China. It gets shipped directly to Amazon and then they, people order to Amazon and they ship it. He doesn't do anything. He just makes sure the inventory is there and he just makes money. And so there is in the day and age that we have right now, there's so many opportunities to literally never have to work a job again. You just have to hustle to try to get that, that passive income built up. And once it's running, it's just going to keep coming and uh, money just keeps coming in. I love it. I love it. By the way, just as a side comment, for those that are not seeing this in video format, they're listening on the podcast in their car, wherever it may be. I just want to point out what it says on your shirt. Your shirt says successfully unemployed. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What a great saying. All right. So what were we talking about? Controlling your expenses or creating an income? We just did income so we can jump into controlling your expenses. Right. So the third principle, control your expenses. I think a lot of people have the ability to do this. In fact, most people have the ability to do this. So talk about this because I think a lot of people are afraid to cut their expenses. They don't want to give up on their cable or some of the uh, frills that they have in their life. But there's other ways to go about doing that. So talk about cutting expenses. So there's a key difference between cutting expenses and controlling. I love the idea that let's just say somebody loves to get coffee every single morning. They love to go to Starbucks. Well, just cutting that out, that might not be the number one thing that you need to do. You may need to figure out a way to make more money. Like I know Robert Kiyosaki says, like, don't do that thing where you cut out something that you want. Try to make more money so that you can pay for that, which I completely wholeheartedly agree with. Now, here's the reason why I say control your expenses. There are things that you might not even know you're, you're, you're paying on an expense that comes out. But at the same time, not everybody needs to have, I don't know, th- just think of whatever luxury item you have. I'll give you an example. Currently, oh, this is what happened. So I moved from California to Phoenix to be closer to my in-laws. We had a 2,500 square foot house. We have four kids. It was a beautiful house. It was huge and everything. But I had a rental property in Phoenix and it was right next to my in-laws. And I said, we want to move there. I'm going to go ahead and move into my rental property that I currently already have. It's 1,200 square feet and we have four kids. And so we're scaling down. Now we've learned to make it work. It's obviously a little tight, but at the same time, I don't have a mortgage payment. Like it's, I just, uh, wow, that's that much more money in my pocket so I can then use it to buy more property. So when you're looking at controlling your expenses, looking at the things that you maybe don't need, like if you have cable is really, really expensive, or maybe your cell phone bill, or just looking at your expenses to lower the amount of money coming out so that then you can save more money. So for me, for six years, my only one vacation that I ever took, this is my time where I started buying properties to when I had enough money coming in to replace my income. For six years, I literally sacrificed every bit of everything to, because any bit of money, like my in-law said, hey, we're going to go to Disneyland. Do you want to come? And we said no, or I, I made my wife say no, because that's like two grand that I could go toward putting another house or buying another house. And so for six years, I sacrificed so hard so that now I can literally do whatever we want. Like this last year in 2018, I went to Europe for six weeks with all my kids and my wife, went through 11 different countries. So I sacrificed and now I can live the life I want. In 2017, I went through Japan for six weeks with my four kids, my wife and my dad, drove all through Japan. So now because I was able to sacrifice to build up that investment money so I could buy more properties, now I can live however I want. So it was the means to an end of having more money to buy more properties. Some people might be thinking that there's no way I can cut or control. I love that distinction, by the way. Most people don't talk about that. A lot of people are thinking that I can't control or cut enough expenses to make a difference at the end of every month because I don't have a lot of expenses and or I don't make enough to really make a difference. And that's the bottom line is I can't cut enough to make a difference. So 
I might be saving two, $300 a month. If that I might be exaggerating here a little bit, it would be nice to be able to cut enough or control enough where you are ahead a thousand dollars a month. That's 12,000 a year in a year and a half. You have enough of a down payment to purchase a hundred thousand dollar home or an $80,000 home that will generate 300 plus a month in income. But what do you say to those people that feel that they don't have enough to cut? Is the answer increase your income? Because that's where I always go to. I always go to increasing your income. I'm right on with you. So increasing your income is absolutely something that everybody must do. Figure out any way to increase your income wholeheartedly. But on top of that, what I would also suggest is that investing in real estate, it's not a sprint. Like It's going to take over time. It's going to take time for you to get your first property. So even if it takes 12 months or 18 months, however long it's going to take, it's going to be that much closer to you buying the first property. Now, when you have that first property, and I suggest with all my students, buy a property that you make $250 a month or more in passive income coming in. When you do that, you can cover all the expenses, any surprise things that come up. But anyways, once you get that first property that's bringing in $250 a month, then you can save that money on top of what you're currently saving and then use the next one to buy another one. It's like a snowball. You start with one $250 a month income coming in from one property. The next property is going to come faster. And so I bought one property one year. Next year, I bought another property. The year after that, I bought two properties and I bought three and four. And so it just kept being a bigger and bigger snowball. So increase your income. And I understand if you can't cut, well, that's why we have eight principles that we're going to go through as opposed to just one controlling your expenses. <laughs> okay. Love it. Okay. So your fourth principle, buy the home you live in. Now, national average is somewhere around 36%-ish, depending on what figures you look at, of people that actually rent versus buy. So not everybody owns their home or has a mortgage, they're renting. But your principle is to buy the home you live in, don't rent, because you say you're essentially throwing money out the window. Explain this to us, please. So even not just that, well, obviously that you're renting something or just like leasing a car, you literally don't own the car. You got to give the car back. Same thing when you're renting a house, you don't own the house, you got to give it back. If you own it and live in it, it's not making money. Robert Kiyosaki would not call that an asset, which I agree. It's not an asset, but it can be an asset. And this is a big reason why I would say own your home. You're currently owning the home, paying down the mortgage, obviously paying interest, but you're paying down your mortgage. And so let's say you buy a $200,000 house to live in, you pay down the principal, and then eventually the market's going to go up, your value is going to go up, then you can use the equity in your home to buy more properties, which I've done many, many times. I bought many, many properties with the equity in the homes that I've lived in because as I paid it down, there was more equity. And as the market went up, I had more equity. And so I used that money to buy properties. That's all on top of if you're renting, then you're literally just giving the money away and there somebody else is making money in your pocket. So that's my opinion is there's so many different avenues from a home equity line of credit, cash out refinance. There's so many different things that you can do when you have your own home. It's just allowing yourself in the future to be able to utilize everything to the best of your ability. So what would you say to someone who lives in an expensive market, like some of the coastal markets in the U.S. where housing is seven, eight hundred thousand, a million, two million dollars in mortgage, let alone the property taxes. But the mortgage is so high that it is not only more affordable to live in a rental, but yeah. What would you say to someone in, in an expensive market? So what I would say is I moved from California because California is horrible. It's so expensive there. It's taxed so much. It's horrible. So I moved to Phoenix and I have so much more money. Not saying that everybody's going to be able to do that. I just made my mind that I wanted to do that. That's something I had to do. So now it's like I had a 20% increase in income, not just for my properties, from moving from California to Arizona. 
I know places in the Midwest are even really, really expensive. Now, I'm not saying everybody can do that. That's an option. But for somebody like that, again, these are principles that if you can get there, then it's better to own your home. But if it's cheaper to rent, and I completely understand. So if somebody said, well, I'm going to pay $3,000 for a mortgage or I'm going to pay $2,000 for rent, I'm going to say rent. And I tell this to students, rent now because that extra $1,000, put that in your pocket to buy more properties. Buy more properties, not in your area. Like I, I lived in California and I invested in Ohio, one of my very, very first property. Didn't know what I was doing, but I bought a property in Ohio and started buying there and I had money coming in. And so there's, there are different options, but yes, if you're going to be able to save money by renting, that's a really good option. Okay. So we might be on the same page with that because someone living in Southern California or New York or wherever, if it's more expensive to own than it is to rent, I would advise that they rent and take that difference that they would be paying with the mortgage and owning a home and put that towards investment real estate. In other words, build your portfolio. Now, at the end of the day, all else being equal, I would agree, buy instead of rent, because now you have the benefits of the mortgage depreciation, you have the benefits of the appreciation and equity growth over time that you could ultimately strip and put towards more investments. So it does make more sense to own than it does to rent, but that's not always the best thing to do. The other thing I would say to those people is if you've got $100,000 to put towards a down payment, instead of putting a down payment and owning where it may not make financial sense, take that $100,000 and get yourself a small portfolio of four or five, maybe six homes, rental properties, that are generating two, 300 a month each, maybe more. And uh, now you have some passive income in the range of 1,000 to 1,500 a month. That's a great start. And just now just keep adding to it. So I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. So I think maybe we're talking about the same thing here because it really depends on where you live and what the cost of living is of where you live. All right. So principle five, ensure a future income. So what do you mean by that? So a future income would be something if you stop working, like if you literally just said, I don't want to work anymore, I just want to go fishing or I want to play video games or whatever I want to do, you can still make money. So my properties, I, like I said, when I went to six weeks in Japan or six weeks in Europe or when I go to Alaska for fishing or whenever I do anything, my business runs itself and I still make money. So I'm ensuring the ability to make money. And so what I always try to tell everybody is, if you don't work, if you have a job, if you don't work, then you don't make money. And so you want to make sure that you ensure the ability to have that. Now, on top of the insure, what I'm saying with my business, just about every business and also with your own home, you want to have actual insurance. So this is another way to insure. So all of your properties that you have, number one, get insurance on those um, landlord insurance, not just homeowners insurance, but landlord insurance on those properties. But number two, get an umbrella insurance on top of that over just everything. So you're covering everything. There's so many more things to talk about there. But what I'm saying is you want to make sure that you have future income. So when you're incapacitated, if God forbid something happened like that, when you need money and you can't work, you still need to have money coming in. And with rental properties, it's a beautiful thing. You always have money coming in. So you're really talking about putting insurance in place at all levels, at the property level, your personal insurance, maybe health insurance, your umbrella policy to backstop everything. You're really saying insure any area of your life that's a li potential liability or a potential cause of issue where you may have financial loss. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely be saying that. Okay. Got it. Okay. Well, you know what? I almost want to say that's just common sense, but I guess it just <laughs> it needs <is. laughs> it, I guess it needs to be stated, right? Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, but not just actually getting insurance where you're paying another company, but it's getting the passive income because you want to get out of having a job. When you have a job, like it's practical getting actual insurance, but also philosophical in a different way of making money. Well, 
with a job, you earn money. You work an hour, you earn dollars. With a business, with a passive income business, it's a philosophical change to where you're making passive income. You're actually making money as opposed to earning money. So it's both. It's practical and philosophical. When I first, I read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. First time I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was like, oh, wow, passive income? I got to figure out how to get this. And so that's how I dove into it. And so, yes, it's both practical as well as philosophical. MC Lobsher from Producers Wealth has helped his clients find money they didn't even know they had and showed them how to use it to save and invest in real estate at the same time through the infinite banking concept. You can watch a free webinar on the strategy and download a free cash flow audit guide to find the money you already have but are unknowingly losing every day at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Check it out today. So your sixth principle is to make your money work for you. And I think this is kind of intuitive with the whole idea of creating passive income because you're investing in assets that generate income, whether it be passive or portfolio. But explain this principle now. So as we said before, when you work an hour, you get paid a dollar. When you don't work, you don't get paid. So you want to have your money then work for you because obviously go off what Robert Kiyosaki says is your home that you live in is not an asset where the bank tells you it's an asset. You put an asset column, but it's not. It's not making you money. An asset puts money in your pocket as opposed to liability takes money out of your pocket. My home that I live in is not making me money. It's taking money out of my pocket. So you want to make sure that you have a property or properties. You want to have your money working for you. So I think of every single dollar that I put into a property. It's like a little employee working for me. So I put that money to work. And what's great, there's so many great things about investing. I'm sure I know, Martha, you go through all this with all your listeners. But when I have that money working for me every single minute of every single day, like even when I'm sleeping, I'm still making money. So I want my money to work as opposed to me working for money. Well said. I mean, I can't really add anything to that. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, that's the whole reason why we're investing, right? It's like actually Robert Kiyosaki's very first concept or principle that he talks about in Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the rich don't work for money. That's flat out what he says. And so the whole idea is you take that earned income and you convert that into passive income. And that's really the secret to wealth is that one sentence right there. Okay, I love it. So your seventh principle is to guard yourself from losing money. Now, on the surface, this almost sounds like insurance, like insuring, but it's not. It's not. No, it's definitely. Well, it's a part of insurance is definitely guarding yourself from having an asset being taken from you, but guard yourself from losing money. And there are plenty of ways. I think, Mark, you mentioned a while earlier that there are bad investors, not necessarily bad investments. Like a property might be a great property for one person, but horrible for another, as long as you know how to actually apply it. So when you're looking at a the thought of guarding yourself from losing money, I've had some people buy a rental property and think, as long as I make $50 a month, on that property, I'm going to be fine. It's good. It's $50 in my pocket every single month. Well, that's if everything's fantastic and you never have never had any evictions or vacancies or the roof need repair or anything like that. And so when I say guard yourself from losing money, it's always possible to lose money, but you're doing your best to mitigate the, the chances of having that happen. And so what I say is number one, and as strictly speaking of rental properties, I always tell everybody, and I follow this, where at minimum is $250 coming in my pocket every single month. Like this last month, I have properties in Ohio, and I had two furnaces go out at the same time. I was like, oh man, that's a lot of money. But praise the Lord, I have so many properties that they, you know, the expenses are fine. But 
even with a furnace going out, I still make enough money every single year from that $250 or more in that property that if with that furnace going out, I still am making a positive, I think of like $1,500 on both of those properties after the expenses of the furnace is being fixed. And so what you want to do is when you're starting your business, you have real estate one, another business could be another way to making sure that you guard yourself from losing money. You want to do the business right. When I first bought my first property, I did it wrong. I did not run it like a business. I did not make sure that I evicted people when I needed to or uh, collect rent on time and letting people slide. And I just wasn't doing the right things to run it like business. So basically, if you sum up to anything in this one line, it would be run your business like a business. Make sure it's ran well. That's really what it comes down to. So you're guarding yourself from losing money. Okay. So really, this is more of a process of maintaining control and operating things as if they were a business. That's essentially what, how you're defining this, the guarding of yourself from losing money? Correct. Yeah. Because if you buy a product, like the, the easiest thing is to buy a rental property. That's the easiest thing to do. If you just have enough money and you go and buy a property, yeah, you can absolutely do that. But it, absolutely do that. But if you buy it too high or it's too much money, um, you're not getting enough rents out of it. If you pay too much for it, there's so many different ways. And if, if you don't have property managers, if you don't know how to manage it right, if you don't know how to get tenants in, there's so many different things that you could do wrong. And if you don't do it right, you're going to be losing money. And so you need to know how to do it right as opposed to, let me just go buy a property and throw a person in it as best I can. You're not going to do it right. So run the business well. Okay. I can't disagree at all with that. Sure. And I think a part of that is just having... One is the right systems in place, just having a system or copying other people's success through the systems that they use. And second, tied in with that is just having the right team around you, the right people to work with, agents, brokers, property managers, inspectors, title companies, real estate agents, turnkey providers. I mean, whoever it may be, just having the right people around you, ideally that they're smarter than you because you're going to learn from them and avoid making mistakes that other people have made in the past. So. Okay. Good concept. So the last principle, and this is certainly not the last, this is the last of the eight, but not the last of all the principles that we could possibly come up with, but to be better at giving than receiving, I guess. I don't know how you define this. And maybe this is a little philosophical. Maybe there's some religious bent to this. People are going to have different opinions about that, but it's the whole concept of giving and then receiving and not for the sake of receiving, but just being able to give. Let me have you explain it. So the principle would be it's better to give than receive. So in my opinion, the more that I give, or my experience, the more I give and the more I help other people, not just literally giving money, which that's a part of the principle, but it's also giving your time, giving your experience, giving your knowledge, or even just helping other people out. It's better to give that out. The more I give, the more I help other people, the more blessed or more benefited I am. So I just give my time away to people or I serve the poor or I serve at my church or I literally give money. And I found that the more I give of myself, money, time, all that sort of stuff, the more I am able, I feel like I've received more in myself as opposed to the person that's receiving it. Like I feel better because I'm helping what humanity or, you know, people in general, but I'm also serving God, my God. I'm also just trying to do my best to make everybody's lives better. And I found in doing that, people just, they look at me and say, man, you really care. And so they gravitate towards me helping and caring. And so, yes, it's better to give everything than to receive. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be financial either. Some people are not in a position where they can give financially, but they can give of their time or they can give their own creation and whatever else. 
my wife and I actually feel good always giving gifts to people. We enjoy seeing them open a gift and the appreciation. We feel the appreciation, right? Even at Christmas time, we get gifts and we give gifts, but we always like to see other people's reactions when they get a gift and they open it and they appreciate it and they enjoy it and they use it and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of fun in that. In one of your articles, that money belongs to God and God could be anything to anybody, whatever your religion is. We just refer to the higher power as God. But can you kind of just talk about that for a minute? The concept of all money belongs to God and we're stewards of that. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, too. So as I believe, I read the Bible every day. I love reading the Bible. And so as I read the Bible, I see that everything is created by God. And other people might have different opinions about God. But as as what I see is literally everything's created and not just created, but sustained by God. So my life is literally sustained by God. It could be taken away. Like it's a hundred, it's a proven fact, a hundred percent of the people die. And so at any given time I could die, which, you know, God forbid that did happen. And so my belief is that it's all created and sustained by God. And in that sustaining, I'm uh, blessed by God to have the things that I have. And so because I have these things, I realize that they're not mine. Like all the things that I have, everything from my car to the money to the properties, if I have that perspective that it's not mine, then I don't have like a tight hold on it. Like, oh no, you can't take it from me. I'm like, well, it's not mine anyway. So I need to be a steward of it. And so it's a great word that you used was being a steward of that. Steward is somebody that manages well somebody else's things. And so if I hold loosely or put it in a palm of my hand, if it gets taken away, I don't get affected that much. Like if, oh no, you know, it's a property burned down with, didn't actually burn down. One of them had a fire in it. So anyways, a long time ago, you know, I was like, oh man, that's a bummer, which it's a bummer. But at the same time, it's, I'm holding it loosely. So if, even if everything was absolutely taken away, it's not affecting me as a person. I could still bless and benefit and help and serve other people. Yeah, that's great. I also like to think of you and I being stewards of knowledge and information. We consume a lot of that information, that content, but we also like to share it and provide it through articles, podcasts, books, guides, whatever it may be. So you pass it along to help educate other people on what we're learning, what we're doing, what we're putting into practice. So it doesn't have to necessarily be monetary. It could be useful information, you know, help other people, educate them, teach them financial education. So it's a broader topic, I think, but it's a great one. So, well, Dustin, anything else you want to add or share with our listeners before we wrap up? And then I'll just have you uh, share your contact information at the end there. Yeah. So Marco, with these principles, these are principles that I follow. Like I didn't just put them on there just to have, but I literally follow these. Like I still have my 2007 Honda Odyssey and I have plenty of money to go buy a brand new car, but I still have that car because it gets me from point A to point B and it runs just fine. And I don't need, it's not, but what I do, I love as I love traveling. And so that's why we spend a lot of our time traveling, but these are principles. And I found as I've applied these principles to my life, my life has gotten better and I've had been able to focus more and it just everything about these principles that really helped me. But then again, they're principles. They're not hard, steadfast rules. If one is hard for you, you need to move past or, you know, kind of look at differently. Totally fine. But these are principles that I found. And as I help other people, they help everybody else that I talk to as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Dustin, thank you. So in wrapping up here, just tell our listeners how they can find you and learn a little bit more about you or get more information about what you work on and what you share. Yeah. So my website's masterpassiveincome.com. And I also have a podcast, Master Passive Income Podcast, where I talk all about rental properties. Like I'm not a flipper. I don't, that's a lot of work. I don't do that. I don't do wholesaling. I don't do any of that stuff. I love rental properties because I buy one property and it does it for me over and over again. So if you want to find any more, anything more about me, masterpassiveincome.com or 
my Master of Passive Income podcast as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, Dustin. It's been great. Sure, Marco. Thank you for having me. I hope this episode today was helpful for you. These principles don't change. They've been around for a long time, and it's just a matter of implementing them. Stop and ask yourself how much you do actually know from reading, from listening to audiobooks and listening to podcasts, and how much of that knowledge do you actually put into practice? Do you actually pull the trigger on and, and make a reality, turn it into something tangible and material? I would venture to say that most of us don't actually put a lot of the great knowledge that we have and have accumulated into action. And it's really that simple. Take that knowledge and put it into action and just don't let fear or uncertainty hold you back. Just have some courage, build, build that courage and momentum and just move forward. Kids fall, babies fall when they're learning to walk, but they don't just stay on the ground. We help them up and they try again and they keep doing that until ultimately they start walking. So we just need to do the same thing. You keep working at it and you keep trying until you get there. Anyway, enough of that. If you have any questions about real estate investing, click the Ask Marco button at the top of the website at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. If you are looking to speak to one of our investment counselors for a free strategy session to help you move to the next level in your real estate investing, by all means, go to NoradaRealEstate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, NoradaRealEstate.com. And just fill out the form and one of our investment counselors will get back in touch with you and set up a time. And if you haven't already, of course, I keep saying this every single week, please remember to subscribe, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you have, just subscribe and you will automatically get each week, uh, weekly episode. Help us spread the word. By all means, please feel free to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Greatly appreciated. Download our free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. It's available on both our websites. And again, thanks again for listening. We will see you next week on our next episode. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.